0: Hey, I'm Mike Pruce, the founder and CEO of Visible. As you scale your company, having the right guides at your side can make all of the difference. Each episode, we'll talk to fellow founders, investors, and experts. We'll dive into their zone of genius, as well as hear about their past mistakes to give you a better chance of success. This podcast is for founders, by founders. This is The Founders Forward. Welcome, everyone, to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Founders Forward Podcast. Uh, Today, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Casted, Lindsay Chupkama. And I thought this was just super fitting because this is our foray into podcasting, and we need someone to guide us through the, the treacherous waters maybe not treacherous, but the world of podcasting. This is what Lindsay and Casta do for a living. I think, you, Lindsay, you probably do a better job of explaining Casta than I can. I'm going to turn it over to you. But essentially, from what I understand, you are like the only branded podcast experience there is on the web right now.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me. It is such an honor to be your first guest. <laughs> Basically, you're right. I mean, what I do for a living is podcasts about podcasts. So I am here for it. So Casted, in a nutshell, you, you, you got it just about right. We're the first and right now the only podcast solution built around B2B podcasting. It's a content marketing platform that enables content marketing teams for B2B brands to use their podcast to really fuel their sales and marketing strategies as a whole.
0: Love it. When did you start this business? When did you start Casted?
1: My day one was April 29th, 2019. So as we record this, we're you know about a year and a half into
0: it. I love it, and and so your know, podcasting has clearly exploded. It feels like there's a podcast just about every single topic there is. Visible, we're a team of ten. We're small. I'm the founder of you know the the company. We've known each other for a couple of years now, but you, you mentioned like everyone should have a podcast. Like, why should I care and have a podcast for Visible? What's your take on it?
1: Right. Well, I've kind of a couple of answers on that. I mean, they're related, but um, generally speaking, podcasts—whether uh, it's it's you at Visible, me at at Casted, or any of the companies that we work with, either one of us work with—is podcasts do something that no other form of content can. You know, everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, your very first episode, is connecting with you and with me and with both of our brands in a way that all of the other great content that we're producing just doesn't. And actually, I told you this, I think first time we met, I love the content that you guys put out there because yeah. as the founder of a company, I'm looking for that information that you're providing about how to work with my board and when to be thinking about different stages of the process and how to be approaching new things that I, as a founder, haven't run into before. So you all are creating really, really exceptional content, but this content that your audience is consuming right now helps them to connect and build a relationship and trust and really that human to human level that no other content does. So to me, that should be the basis of every single content strategy is how can we capture the insights of experts in whatever topic or area of interest, interest that we are you know, in, um, capture their insights, capture their unique perspectives, use that as a show to create real human level connections with our audience, and then spin more content out from that across other channels.
0: That was an amazing answer. And so, one of the things that I am trying to wrap my head around through as a founder back in two thousand ten, it was all about content, 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 in particularly like blogs, building my SEO strategy. And to me, this kind of feels the same, right? Everyone knows mm-hmm. it's a strategy or playbook you should probably be running, but there's a ton of options out there, right? For podcasts, in you know two thousand ten, it was content, ebooks, white papers, whatever. How how do I get people to listen? the founders forward. I can create it, but it doesn't mean they will come. So how do I get people to listen to this podcast?
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's just like any other um, form of content or any other approach to anything marketing related is I always say, first, think about who, who's it for? right? Mm -hmm. Who's my audience? Who are they? What are they interested in? Uh, What do they want to know? And then why am I doing it? Who's it for? Why am I doing it? What are the goals that you have for this show? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to build relationships? Are you trying to help people dive deeper? What's your why? Because without those two pieces of information, you're going to, one, try to appeal to everyone, which when you try to please everyone, you end up mildly, yep. mildly even entertaining at <laughs> best uh, anyone. And then if you don't know why you're doing it, it's really hard to measure success. So then to answer your specific question around like, how, how do I get people to listen? If you can really hone in on who is it for, that's when you can provide those unique insights and, and dig deep with the guests that you have in your show in areas that your audience would probably want to ask them questions on too. You can ask different questions than other podcasts or other content providers would get into and really get into unique original content that'll be all the more engaging for your audience. So that's one, that's how you create the good content. But then what you do with it from there is what, one of the reasons that Casted exists, but really... Is something that I see so often is people leaving behind so much value because they publish their show and then they go on to the next thing, which yes, sometimes is the next episode, but then quite often is the 8 billion other things on your to-do list, which as founders, we know is there's a lot, but if you're going to put the effort in to capture an interview, definitely, definitely take another beat and... Take the time to ring it out. So publish the show and then think, okay, What's the related content I could pull from this? What are the clips that I could pull to share on social media? What areas could I dive into to create some supplemental written blog content? Is there a white paper here? Is there a way to, you know, equip my sales team to give them the insights and the perspectives and the quotes and the quips that um, I captured in this interview? Really think about what else you can do with that show, because then you'll be reaching people across other channels and giving them the opportunity to dig in across different formats to really engage in what you're saying.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. So knowing that, right, let's say uh, we have this beautiful why, we have our audience, which I think we do, but (laughs) like we we know it's founders, right? We want to get close to founders. And starting a a startup is hard and it's a journey. And so we want to find experts to help our community of founders uh, with a a problem they're facing. (laughs) I think we have a way to measure that. And we plan on investing in this podcast, right? We found someone to do some editing for us. We have an awesome intro song ready to go. We have eight people lined up for the first season. How long should we get it, right? Like, is there, mm-hmm. I mean, is there a way where you're like, oh yeah, we should pivot this or uh, maybe this isn't the right strategy for us? Like, is there a, a time frame? Is it a gut feeling? Is it a metric? Like how long should we give something like the, the podcast?
1: Yeah, definitely give it time. Quite often, we see in, in the space in general, across all of marketing, all of podcasting, people will will give it a few episodes and then say, oh, you know, it's not where I want it to be, whatever that means, and give up and you know, kind of throw in the towel and say, well, that didn't work. Give it a couple seasons. Really watch it. See what kind of feedback you get. And keyword there being seasons. I do really like to advise people to look at it one season at a time, not necessarily one Mm -hmm. show at a time is say, okay, start with your first season, take a minute, take a pause, and then come back in and dive into another topic or a different kind of subset of guests that you could have on or toy with the length or format of the show and do little minor tweaks based on the kind of feedback that you get because you will have success. You will have people listen. You will impact the, the, the lives in some way of some group that's listening. And so listen to what they have to say. And if you give yourself chunks to do one season at a time, that gives yourself the opportunity to take a pause to, and to maybe not quite pivot, but to, to make those changes without it feeling really jarring to your audience, right? You can make those little changes uh, and they'll grow to expect those tweaks
0: along the way. Okay. And how do you guys measure success? Is it top of funnel for you or is it bottom of funnel? Like, hey, this customer listened to one of our podcasts. How is Casted measuring uh, the success of Casted?
1: Good question. Actually, in a lot of ways. And I think that's something that anyone that gets into podcasting should also think about this. There is no one metric. It is certainly not, you know, some magical number of downloads. Uh, If that was the case, then we would all be trying to achieve that number and then be like, there we go, success. It's going to fuel revenue. Now it's a little bit different for everybody, but that's why, again, why you have to know who's it for and why are you doing it so that you can look at all the indicators that contribute to, am I getting to my why? So for us, we look at, yep, overall listenership, Do we have, is the show growing? Do we have um, new listeners coming all the time? And do we have returning listeners? Did they listen before Mm -hmm. and they keep coming back? Are they listening to the whole show or most of it? We also pull clips um, from the show. Like are those clips successful? Are the things that we're sharing on social media leading to people to come and listen to the show? And then engagement, that's all show level. That's fine and good. But you know, if I'm a marketer, that's not enough. Like what else, right? Are people going through and from my episode page, are they engaging in the other content that we have? Are they going on and and reading the related blog posts? Are they clicking into, you know, the information that we've shared along with that episode? Because that indicates engagement and that really indicates somebody who's really interested maybe in learning more about who we are, what we do, what we're sharing as far as our content's concerned. We also have different integrations. Things like we have a Drift bot that allows us to actually engage with our listeners while they're listening, as long as they're on our show page. We can recommend other related content, see if there's any questions that we can answer. So it's that kind of real-time engagement that helps us to understand how we're doing, and then also through our integration with HubSpot, understanding just beyond like metrics and and how many, but actually who, you know, did, did Mike come and listen to our show? Yes, he did. He listened to 97% of the show. And then, you know, what somebody else from visible listened to, um, that, you know, just like any other uh, activity that you can see in your CRM really helps to fuel uh, one. Are we successful? And two, what can we do now?
0: That's why I love one, what, what Cassidy is doing and why we're starting uh, the Founders Forward podcast is it feels like it kind of lifts and elevates everything we're doing across all of our different experiences on our site, from uh, content we're writing to how we engage with people that are on a trial of visible. It feels like for me, downloads is really not a metric I care about. It's going to be like, how do we create really unique and differentiating nuggets of wisdom for people that we can use from the podcast in in different parts of our, our marketing site? Am I thinking about that the right way?
1: I was literally going to say, you're thinking about that exactly the right way, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. um, because it, again, there is no one size fits all. Downloads are, are one indicator. And if that's all you have, cool. See, are they going up, right? But when you have the opportunity to look bigger picture, and especially those of us who are founders, like really you have the opportunity to lead from the top, even if the top is just a couple of people to say, yeah. we're going to look at this show as a big picture thing. We're not going to look at any one metric and decide whether it's succeeding or failing. We're going to say, okay, what kind of anecdotal feedback are we getting? When we do talk to someone and they say, oh yeah, I listen to your podcast. What does that conversation turn into? Are they a little bit more? engaged, is there a little bit more trust there? That's an indicator of success. And then also what else are we doing? Are we more effective and efficient as a team because we have this starter content that we're pulling more out of and we're able to do more with less, which again, as a founder, is something that we're looking to do all the time. So yeah, it's you got to think big picture, you got to think from these conversations. Think about it less as I'm recording a podcast episode and more as I'm recording a conversation that I'm going to, yes, make a podcast out of, but I'm also going to do a lot of other things too.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like a forcing function for me not to be lazy. It's like, okay, I have an hour with Lindsay today. We're going to record this, and then there's a ton of other things that are going to happen because of that forcing function of us having an hour to sit down and, and chat with one another.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay. And kind of last thing, as it relates to our journey as, as we launch this podcast, is there like one thing or gotcha that you think we're going to run into that you see a lot of your customers or people you help with their podcast that like, oh, my, be on the lookout for this, like. Uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to run through or, or common pitfall you see?
1: Yeah, I think, I don't want to sound like a, a broken record, but kind of what we just talked about, that's one, is kind of twofold. It It tends to be a lot of work. I think a lot of people think all I need to do is just, you know, hit record and that's my show. Well, it's yeah. not that simple. It's also not that hard, right? So you just, you find great people that your audience wants to hear from, you interview them and you turn it into a show, but it is a lot of work. It's there's time involved. There is a lot of effort, which is kind of what we just talked about. All the more reason to make sure you're getting a lot of value out of every single interview you do. How are you making sure you're just ringing it out and that you are not just for a moment, but ongoing, constantly coming back and saying, what else can I do with this show? What else can I do with this interview? I I think that's honestly the biggest thing is looking for immediate success with minimal effort. And I also don't wanna make it seem like it's really hard because if you do look at it holistically, like everything we were just talking about, what else can you get out of every show? It actually makes everything else easier because if you're not doing the podcast and, oh, great, well, now I also have to check 25 boxes every time I record a podcast. It's on top of my blog, on top of my social media strategy, on top of all these other things. It doesn't have to be that way. It's what if you just think about your podcast first and all of those other things that are on your to do list flow from it? So it's going back to the exact question you asked, which is what is a mistake that we see quite often? And I think the flip side of that is where do we see the greatest success? It's with the companies that think about their podcast and and those interviews first as fuel for everything else and how they can, as a result, be more efficient, be more effective, be a little bit more lazy in in saying, okay, everything's going to fuel out of this one resource of content, which is going to make everyone's lives easier.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned something in there that is not in the the outline I sent you and put you on the spot. (laughs) So you mentioned great guests. Mhm. Is there any truth to like the guest list like should I shoot high? Should I try to get like Mark Zuckerberg on the podcast because that kind of anchors my future guest list versus having, I don't know, my brother Matt, who's in the background right now as our production manager. He's like, what
1: gives? What's wrong with me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I could do that because he's my brother. Let's talk about guest list maybe for a second. Is there Mm -hmm. any truth to that? How do you recommend, I think, about the guest list for the podcast? I'm sure some of it's the why and why we're doing it, but Mm -hmm. is there truth to like trying to anchor high and get like an A-list type person right away?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I'm here. I'm just kidding. That's right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm gonna say yes, but also no. So yes, in that when you have, you know, you said Mark Zuckerberg, fine. If you got him, if you got Oprah to come on your show, would that spike your listenership? Of course, because it's a big name and they also have big audiences. If you can get Oprah on your show and get her to tweet like, Hey, just did a great, you know, recording with Mike at visible, check out their new show. Would you have a spike in listenership? Sure. But what if your audience doesn't want to listen to Oprah? Right. So that's the and no part is that I I always say go find a great expert, capture their perspective, so on and so forth. Expert does not necessarily mean famous influencer in this space. It could, sure. I I was actually just talking to someone yesterday who was just asking for podcast advice and stuff and not a great fit for casted, but has had the most ridiculously amazing people on their show because that's what makes sense for them. Mm -hmm. But that's not what expert always means. I mean, sometimes if, If your audience needs to hear about what it's like to be new to the career force and just graduated from school and what it's like to be a newcomer to the career world, they're going to want to listen to people who just finished their first two or three years of school, which, you know, many of us would not think of as experts by the definition of famous people. So, again, it's all about... Who is your audience and what are who are the experts you'd want to hear from? They could be interns. They could be engineers. They could be product leaders or CMOs or your customers. Your customers are really great guests. Your partners, it comes in all shapes and sizes, which again, is why it's so, so, so important to know who it's for and why you're doing it, why you're serving them, what you serve them. Because if Oprah did come along to a show where she was not going to be a great fit, you'd have to say no. Probably say, how else can we use Oprah? Because she's amazing. I'm taking Maybe Oprah we spin no up, an, <laughs> up another show. But yeah, you know what I mean? The other danger of having just, quote unquote, the expected experts is that they're, you're going to get the same exact interview that everyone else has done with, mm-hmm. you know, name your person. And it really is a mix because yes, it could be the big names because they're big names for a reason. People like to hear from them, but don't discount the people that haven't really been heard from before because they have really, really exceptional insights to your audience too.
0: Okay. Great to know. And so we're going to shift gears just, just a little bit. So I got wind that you had a board meeting this week. So one, how did it go? And then two, (laughs) it sounds like you also use Casted or create a podcast for your board. How Mm -hmm. does that work?
1: Yeah. So board meeting went great. Thanks for asking. And part of why it it went so well is that we do use Cassid for ourselves for (laughs) for an internal podcast. And I say that facetiously, but also well, truthfully, one thing that we do is you have founders listening. So I'm sure that they can relate. And if not yet, yeah, they will. When you have your board, you send pre-reads ahead of your meeting, right? So you send yeah. your agenda and all the things you're going to vote on and things you're going to talk about and things that, you know, all of the data that you want them to ingest before you, know, you spend a couple hours with them. So we were no exception. I put that together as well, but then Along with that, I send a podcast that is myself and anyone else is going to be in the meeting. This time around, it was myself, my two co-founders and our marketing director talking through, Hey board, this is what we're going to go through. Q3 was really great for all these reasons, pass it on over to the revenue update. Here's what we're going to go through. And here's some of the highs and lows from revenue this month. And... It's nice because our board gets to hear literally from us, our voices yeah. talking about how things are going and what to expect. And then the feedback I've gotten has been, this is really great because uh, literally, little, I'm going to drop his name. So Scott Dorsey's on, on my board. He's fantastic. He's like, I was preparing for the meeting and he's like, I got up and walked around and could have your voice in my ears while I was making my lunch. And it just, it gives them more flexibility. All of our board members are really busy, but we want them to engage in, in what we're providing them. Do you consider. go off the
0: cuff or are you get a script you're sticking to when you're doing that board reading?
1: For those, we all script it out because it's like uh, pretty specific of the information that we want to share in that, in our, each of our one, little clips, it ends up being like a 15 minute episode okay. when you put all of our different voices together. I think otherwise, as you can tell, I'm a little bit long-winded. I think it would very quickly turn into a 40 minute episode, which would be a lot to ask of them to listen to. So,
0: Well, 2x speed.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea, especially since four members are busy. So if they're traveling or walking around, they can pop you in and listen to the air. It's almost like a kind of like an earnings call for a startup, really, in a way, mm-hmm. where like, it it's is. you or your you know executive team talking to the board. So that's cool. And then do you use it internally as well for team communication? Not just your ambassadors and your board, but are you doing like an internal podcast for the team? Um,
1: We do. It's actually not me though, at least not yet. When we get bigger, it might be one of my co-founders, Adam Paterino, who heads up the product side of the business. Every time we have a release within product, he does a release notes podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that started out as like an internal podcast that we actually then, and I say we, it was him, I actually ended up changing to be for our customers and more public facing as well. But that started out to be like, hey, this is the release. This is what's happening. The related resources were little video clips about what it looked like and how it worked. And the show notes were more information about the release. And it was him literally talking through what the release is and how it changes things. And
0: I it love that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's, that'd be like if he wrote an investor updates every single one of our customers, every time Mm -hmm. change the product but yeah i love that that's that's cool well Um, if you go
1: back to just to tie it all together it sounds funny but it's true it's a way to be a little bit more lazy Um, (laughs) or you could say more effective or more efficient is that if adam our head of product goes through and and talks about why we built this how it works what it is the rest of our team can then speak more eloquently about it can pull content you know, can write about it can create the web page update about it it enables everyone else to do their job so much easier because they already heard straight from the product leaders from the founder's mouth what it's all about right
0: love it okay Mm -hmm. this is the part of the episode where this is the behind the scenes uh there's more to shift gears and, and focus you on Lindsay, the founder. I know you you had a marketing agency. Is this your first startup yeah. though where you raised company or, or have you for sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I did my own thing. I, I consulted on my own for a while, but this is my first foray into okay. founder life.
0: <laughs> Do you find board meetings stressful? I always stress myself out before board meetings.
1: You know, I've I've only had a few. A stressful. There's good stress and there's bad stress. So I think it's definitely a forcing function to get everything together, which I think is good. I don't, not nervous, stressful. Like I actually really, really love that time with my board because they're, You know, your biggest cheerleaders and also your biggest challengers to make sure that they're cheering for you, which is why, you know, sometimes the redirection or identification of blind spots is like hard to hear because it's like, oh, we all want this to succeed. But I don't know, stressful feels like a strong word. It's a lot of work, but then I always try to not make it a lot of work because there's so much other stuff to do. So
0: I'm assuming you did this one virtual in COVID. Was this your first one virtual or have you been doing them remote since you started?
1: Actually, we've never had one in person. Yep, because we got started right when I think my first board meeting, first official board meeting was March 18th. Okay. Um, Yeah, so.
0: Okay, awesome. And earlier this year, at least publicly announced, you guys raised some capital in February. One, congratulations. I know it's hard to do. Thanks. What was that journey like? Any takeaways for our audience? Hopefully our founders that are just getting started, maybe pre-seed type company, seed seed founders. What was that journey like for you as a first-time founder? And Mm -hmm. anything you're like, oh man, that was like... a mistake I made, or I love that I did that and that really worked well.
1: Sure. Um <laughs> trying to figure out how to sum it all up. It's interesting because right when you find your stride, it's all over. Like then you find your stride because you bring in the money and everything before that. It's like, well, was that good? Did I bumble it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out, you know, if they invest or not. And I enjoyed it. There's nothing better than being able to talk to person after person after person about your company, this entire thing that you're building. That's a great feeling and it's exhilarating and it's exciting to be able to share your passion with somebody else and actually to invite them to be a part of it. Like that's really cool. And that's very fun. That's also the hardest part because it's your baby and... When you share something with so many people and you get so many no's, that's hard. And then yeah. I think that's obvious. I mean, that is the hard part. But in in all, I think that if you if you maintain that stature of this is my thing, I'm really, really proud of it. And I am so convicted that what I believe is going to happen is going to happen. Share that passion and that you really, really, truly are. You're not asking for money. You're inviting someone to be a part of it. And I think that if you keep that stature it's felt by the other party. And even if it's a no, if you can come away having allowed them to see that passion and that fire that you have for what you're building, that will only do good things for the company long-term.
0: Did you treat it as a numbers game? Like, did you talk to a lot of investors or did you take a more pointed strategy and saying, here are the people I know I want to work with when you were putting your, your seed round together?
1: Hmm, somewhere in the middle. Definitely talk to a lot of people and even those that I, I didn't feel like were going to be a great fit. One thing that happens once the word gets out that you're raising money, all kinds of entities, <laughs> all kinds of different funds pop up, which is great. And I looked at it as practice, like no matter what, it's always good to know more people. It's always good to get in front of more people. You never know what's going to come to fruition. You never know who they're going to know. So that said, I did not say yes to every single outreach. I was also very careful about what I shared but every at-bat is practice. And so I talked to a lot of people, probably a total of, gosh, 75 pitches or so. I think That's a number that's out there. And a lot of them, it was just, it was really great practice, if nothing else. And then then there were the ones that were like, okay, this one is what I've been practicing for. Like, this one is a great fit. I'd really like them to come in. I'd really like them to think really, really highly of me. And therefore all of the other practices, all the other at-bats come to a head for that, you know hope for a home
0: run. Yeah. Okay. 75. It's a lot. I think a lot of people underestimate the amount of time it takes to raise capital. Mm -hmm. And I think we also uh, probably underestimate how many conversations we need to have. Like 75 is probably the median, if not like on the low side, (laughs) maybe for for a seed round. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to figure that out as we continue to talk to guests. But okay. So this is your baby. been doing this since April, 2019 stressful, right? I mean, I've been doing this now for, for six years. How, how mm-hmm. do you stay sane as a founder? Like how do you unplug and is mm-hmm. it uh, TV, working out, yeah. family time? How do you separate work and starting a company with what do you mm-hmm. like to do to keep yourself sane?
1: It's interesting. You didn't say the words, but people talk a lot about work-life balance or, you know, how do you unplug or how do you turn off work? And I don't know that you do. Um, <laughs> right. I don't even need that in a bad way. It's just that I don't ever take off. Like I have three kids. I don't ever take off my mom hat. I mean, I'm never like, well, I'm not your mom right now. I, I lean in <laughs> and I lean back. And I, especially this year. Right. I mean, like, especially yeah. in 2020, it's always everything. And I like it that way. I mean, I love my kids. I love casted. I love everything that is a huge part of my life is there for a reason. So the goal is not to turn it on and turn it off. It's to set up boundaries along the way so that it all fits. And so that, that you can be everything all the time. And so that means that I have to put up healthy barriers with work. We're fully remote right now. Who knows how much longer we will be. I I can't work all the time. I shouldn't all the time be like, Nope, I'm going to skip dinner. I'm just going to eat dinner in my office, you know, Hey, honey, kiss the kids goodnight for me. Like it has to be a constant daily decision to lean in and lean back yeah. of every part of life so that you have energy for everything. So that tomorrow I sit down at my desk, strong, healthy, ready to go. And I close up the day at the end of the day and go kiss my kids, strong, healthy, and ready to go. And So it's, it's boundaries and balance. And then yeah, taking care of myself. I try to get good sleep. Some nights are better than others. I spend time with the kids. I'm a health nut. So I think that actually physically taking care of yourself is super, super, super important. What you put into your body and how you take care of it comes back to you when you ask it to work hard for you. Right. So
0: health nut, what have you done in COVID? Has it been diet? Has it been working out? Like how have you, uh, any, any like fun hacks or, or tips that you have?
1: I try to work out every day, even if it's like, oh, today was crazy. I'm just going to do a five-minute quick workout or go for a walk. But yeah, I try to work out as much as I can. And then just healthy. Like if you fuel your body with quarantine treats all the time, yeah. uh, you're going to feel it. And and you're going to be sluggish the next day. And that pitch isn't going to go as well. I, I eat really healthy and I drink a lot of water. Um, just all the typical things, eat healthy, get sleep, work out, drink a lot of water. There's, there's a Michael Pollan, I think quote, that's like, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Like just do that and you'll feel better.
0: I knew (laughs) you were coming on. I need to have higher energy today for our first podcast ever. So I only ate sweet potatoes yesterday.
1: Just sweet potatoes. Just
0: like, and I (laughs) like boiled chicken. I'm a little
1: worried about you. Like
0: just boiled chicken (laughs) and sweet potatoes and super clean. Okay. Last two questions. Three questions that we plan on asking everyone that joins the podcast. We're huge fans of the zoning genius and kind of that's defined as when do you feel like you're not working? So I guess for, for you, is it every day at Casted or when are you in like your flow state where you're like, I'm not even working. I love what I'm doing.
1: So it's going to sound super duper cliche, but it's doing this. It's um doing podcasts or speaking. Um, That is the most fun thing is just having conversations about the things that I'm passionate about, which are exactly what we've been talking about is, is, you know, podcasting and content marketing and leadership and starting a company that is flow before we know it, the conversation's over and time is up and it's on to the next thing. And then I think the next layer out of that onion is learning. I think that's one of the coolest things about being a founder is all of the things you get to do for the first time, which yeah, is also a lot, but I mean, you're just constantly learning.
0: Yeah next question this one comes from max yoder so he little max max is great he's gonna be on the podcast some days new parents i'm gonna wait uh, and have him on season two Uh, and i was sending him some questions and he said well the one i like so i'm gonna give him credit to this because we'll see how this goes
1: okay uh
0: if your brain was getting wiped out tomorrow what's one thing you would write down tonight
1: See, I'm trying to decide whether to be, like, leader Lindsay, mom Lindsay, be funny. That's what I think um, is hard,
0: too, right? Like, you, know. you don't want to come off as cruel and be like, oh, I don't even care about my family and, and talk about, you know. <laughs> only-
1: yeah, you could be super facetious and be like, well, there's lots of things written down already. Um, gosh, I mean, you know, something about my kids and my family and to, to – Make sure that was still intact. That's the most important thing. Part of me thinks that I would write down. Actually, it's funny because it's Megan Brazino's chocolate chip cookie recipe, and she actually works at Lessonly with Max (laughs) Theater because it's the best chocolate chip cookie recipe on the planet. Make sure that I still had that. But as far as like you know, leader Lindsay, let's like let's bring it back home to this audience and what we've been talking about is the importance of of connection and conversation. I'm an introvert, which. Surprises some people since I'm very chatty. So it's really easy for me to retract to my own cave and just go heads down and do the things. But something that I've been working on over the last couple of years, particularly through quarantine, is to stay connected with other people. And it actually is something that I need a reminder about because it's so natural for me to just be on my own, but then I'm not okay. Like I am Mm -hmm. better. I'm a better leader. I'm a better founder. I'm a better partner. I'm a better mom I'm better all the things when I invest in my community um, and the people that are around me to challenge me and help me grow and to love on me and to support me. So I write that down because that's something that I should probably write down anyway, is to remind myself, like, go connect with other people. Like, don't try to do this alone.
0: Okay. Love that. And our, our final question before we wrap, uh, this one I think is gonna be interesting to you in terms of, of what people say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday morning, uh, Visible's been fully remote since, since we started and on our all hands, we go around and talk about priorities for the week, but then more importantly, someone gives thanks to a team member of, of something that they did for them the week before. Is there mm-hmm. anyone you wanna give thanks to right now that maybe you haven't before, haven't before or someone that just really helped you out over the past uh, you know, year and a half since you started? Hmm.
1: So many people, <laughs> so many, like my like, the answer that I just said is about community and how we're yeah. stronger together. So, so many people, I think, you know, again, especially given this show and, and who you're speaking to my co-founders, um, and I know that's two people, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it anyway. Yeah, Adam Paterino and Zachary Ballinger, just full stop. They've been amazing. We've been an incredible team. We have grown together as humans and we've grown this business and together done some really, really incredible things, both business-wise and culture within our team and hired some incredible people and get to work with some fantastic customers and create this incredible product. I mean, it wouldn't be what it is today without them. And... Uh, we wouldn't be going where I know we're going to go if it wasn't together. So there you go. So and they're going to squirm because they, they hate when I, I call them. Made. Out.
0: <laughs> uh, was, I don't have a co fire invisible. And that's, I think, the one thing I, I will certainly change in the next go around is I, I, mm-hmm. I wish I had that.
1: But. Yeah. That's a whole other episode for you. That's a whole other episode. We could that talk for a long time about I could how I can just important talk to myself
0: is. about it. an <laughs> <The> internal monologue <laughs> with, with myself. Uh, well, Lindsay, I can't thank you enough for, for one, taking your time uh, out of your, your busy day, and then two, really being our guide for the Founders for podcast as we get this going. So thanks so much for joining us. How do you think we did for episode one?
1: I am so excited that you're doing this show. Obviously, I'm biased because... Of, everybody on the show knows by now that I'm super biased about podcasts, but you you all are doing such amazing content. This is going to be a really, really incredible show. And I'm so um, honored to be a part of it.
0: Thanks so much. All right, everyone, we'll see you for episode two.